Hello and welcome to SAP Chat. This is episode three of a four episode mini series on sustainability. Now I'm joined by Justin Sutton Parker. Justin is an information technology professional with 25 years experience and an MBA in sustainability and a PhD doctorate. He's a researcher for computer and urban science with the University of Warwick and the Warwick Business School. Justin's a CEO and chief scientist of PX3, and when not working with clients or doing his research, he's a regular contributor to newspapers and publications. Um, welcome to episode three, Justin. Welcome and thank you. And uh, so in episode one, we talked about why bother, and um, we covered that at length. In episode two, kind of looked at, well, what can I do about it? Episode three, I'd really like to drive into, well, how do you go about it? You know, how do you, you've, you've got these, this kind of approach, but where do, where do you start and how do you do that? How do you drive behavioural change, which I think is kind of where we got to at the end of this episode two? Yeah, absolutely. So um, driving behavioural change, it's, it's like anything. If something's easier to do, you're more likely to do it. So going back to some of the comments that I made previously, you know, great IT can be green IT, but if there's barriers in between that make it really difficult to actually make that journey to changing behaviours, and when we talk about behaviours, we're talking about, you know, the way you procure things and use things. Hmm. Um, and if it's difficult to achieve, then you're less likely to do it. And that's certainly the, um, my research shows that, certainly experience with many, many customers and different technology uh, companies. So the idea is, um, most of my work, in fact, goes into the point of just removing those barriers. So one of the best things that I talked about previously um, in the last episode is really finding low carbon footprint devices. And I, I touched on that point that when you look at um, product carbon footprint reports from manufacturers, you'd like to think they're all the same. Uh, they're yeah. not. And I talked about you know the reason being there's several amount, you know, there might be six years worth of use included in one and only one year of use in another. So that doesn't give us any parity. And the easiest way to fix that is using the application that I invented called the Dynamic Carbon Footprint application, which, as I described, uh, basically gives you the opportunity to put what I call contextual inputs to make the information relevant to you. So if you're working in a particular country, you input whatever country you're in or whatever region you work in. And then you also put things in like, you know, how many years will I keep this device? And it harmonizes all of that data. And getting that data removes that barrier of not being able to compare the information that's set out in front of you. Someone said to me the other day, actually, using your tool took me less than two minutes to find out what I needed to do. We used to do this. It took two or three weeks for an entire team to do this. So that's got kind of point where I'm getting to is if the barrier is removed, you're more likely to go ahead and do it. I, th I think one of the things I, I'd almost liken it to the advice that as a population we've been given about diet over the years and the danger is that you know for a long time it was like eat low fat eat low fat and then somebody said well actually that's full of you know sort of uh, uh, artificial sweeteners that's not good for you and so you get people genuinely saying well oh, do you know what this is just too difficult I'm going to carry on doing what I'm doing because whatever I do is wrong anyway and actually I think what you're trying to drive it that, that actually you can understand and get a clear view of the impact that you're having but an end-to-end -end impact rather than a a kind of blinkered view yeah it's, it's basically working on you, you talked about it um, previously it's having the data that you believe in that you know that actually by bothering on what you're doing 
mm. actually makes an impact. And if you know that's real and you've got that sort of information and parity, you will go ahead and do it. And and I think um, one of the things that we, we touched on in a previous episode that, that really made me think following that episode was um, was the impact on the length of time that you have uh, a device at a time when I think it would be fair to say a lot of hardware manufacturers out there are creating uh, hardware that doesn't allow you. And I'm thinking of um, a certain um mobile phone manufacturer that kind of locks you in and then and then you have no ability to readily update the uh, the capacity of the memory um which i seem to remember years ago was was a, a, an open feature on most mobile phones and so it really kind of forces you to upgrade every two years and this there has been such a a kind of focus around a scrum every time a new mobile phone has been released do you think we're going to move out of that and there's going to be more pressure on manufacturers to build out or stop building out redundancy yeah absolutely and there's definitely a move towards that so i as you mentioned earlier i spend an awful lot of my time conducting research all of it is empirical research and what that means in simple terms is it's not just looking at other people's things it's actually creating things that make changes to make sure this is physically possible. So what I'm currently working on is a global project which um, looks at scoring systems for scope three emissions for um, IT equipment. To make that really simple, uh, what is that? That's looking at what the impact of manufacturing is around um, on, on the device and also the GHG emissions. So going back to your point, do I see things that make a change? So I work with all of the manufacturers that you can think of, all the brands uh, from, uh, you know, just think of a laptop and every brand that um, possibly makes those. And most of the comments that I've had over the last three years has been, you know, you, you, you and you, you all produce product carbon footprints, but you two don't. That's not good. What can we do about changing this and making this happen? Absolutely fantastic news managed to get those other two manufacturers to start producing carbon footprint reports, which is thrilling Great. because they, they kind of supply around about 12 to 15% of the entire market. So if you can imagine we got to the point where you pretty much got everybody on board with producing carbon footprint reports. Now, the point when you look at that, there's companies like, let's take Acer as an example. Mm-hmm. When, you look, when you look at um, a notebook, you just hit the nail on the head. You know, I want to keep this notebook for as long as I possibly can. The reason being is I did a piece of research where a couple of outcomes, you've got, you go and buy a notebook and then there's a, there's a piece of research theory out there that says, but you might want to buy a new one because it would be far more efficient. Therefore, the, uh, the GHG emissions caused by electricity by the new efficient one would offset the old device. So if you get a new one, you're causing less of a problem for the planet. Absolute nonsense. I've disproven that again and again. The actual embodied emissions are around about, uh, you know, when you make the device, around about 75% of the whole impact. So obviously, if you look at that on an annualized basis, if it's 100 kilograms to make a laptop and you spread that across eight years instead of five, you're obviously reducing the impact by 37% because you're not rushing out buying another device. The point to be able to actually achieve that is, you know, we live in the real world and I always stress that with people. I don't live in a lab somewhere where I never talk to people. I actually live in the real world. So the point is, you know, it's going to go wrong. 
it will become obsolete. There'll be a problem with the operating system, whatever. You know, this, this is technology. Of course, this will happen. So going back to the ACE thing. So um, you were just talking about the old days. Um, it used to be the case with a mobile phone. If your mobile phone uh, battery died, you just took the battery off and you bought a new battery and put the battery back on. The problem is we've sort of gone into a situation where, um, you know, we've ended up in that point where um, notebooks are kind of sealed units. Something goes wrong inside it, very difficult to upgrade and so on. So companies like Acer are now making um, these new, new devices modular. So it makes it really easy to, if the hard drive goes wrong, you just take the normal screws out of the back of it, put a new hard drive in, off you go. There's the other, and you can do that with all the components. There's the other side of it is working with operating systems companies. So I work very closely with Google and Microsoft around both Chrome OS, Chrome OS Flex, and also Windows 11. So it's making sure that the operating system also lasts long enough to go past that um, five year span to eight year span. So it's looking at that aspect of it. So having all of these things in place, modular devices, absolutely. I don't think there's a manufacturer out there that's not looking at modular or moving in that direction to be able to fix things so they last longer. And then there's the other side of it. Uh, certainly the um, operating system uh, companies that I work with, Microsoft and uh, Google, are looking at making sure their operating systems last longer and therefore are supported with security updates and everything else to enable this. And I always use the hashtag computers for eight years because that's where we're going. You ask the question, are companies moving in that direction? I would say that's their biggest focus because they know what the impact is of making these devices. 460 million devices every year produced. We've got to keep that demand down, use them for longer, stop wasting the Earth's resources, and actually produce things that people are going to keep for a long time. And it's called convergence. So, you know, that's a natural thing through theory of innovation. So you'd obviously expect stuff to uh, evolve so much that it all becomes one thing in the end. So I've just completed a piece of research um, for Microsoft where what I'm looking at is, it, and this is just one example of convergence. So if you look at their service, which is Windows 365, so that's effectively cloud PCs. So Every device that you use, then it almost stops becoming a notebook or a tablet or whatever. It's just an interface into the cloud PC. So exactly, it's just a browser. So in that instance, you're asking the question of, say, somebody who's using that, because all the performance is happening in the cloud and everything else, do you really need that great big desktop computer? Do you really need that huge workstation? Do you really need that laptop? And so on and so on. So the point being, the point I make in this research is you could actually move to having a tablet with a tiny little carbon footprint that is actually running your cloud PC because you just, you know, you look, you're just connecting into it. The reason I make this point is about convergence. You can go that step further. Um, you remember the old term, which I hear it less and less often recently, is it bring your own device? Now, now, companies used to be absolute shock and horror about bring your own device. Why? Because of security. It was you're bringing that thing in. And equally, employees used to think, hang on a minute, this is my personal device. I'm not bringing that to work. You know, I don't, I don't want to cross the boundary. The point is, with things like cloud PCs, like W365, you are, you know, you work PCs up in the cloud. This is just an interface to look into it. Security's there because you're just browsing into it. You've got security in the data center. So my point that I make in this piece of research is, in actual fact, if you went a step further, 
in convergence and just said actually the employees just got their own device you know bring your own pc or bring your own device um side of things you've actually just halved the carbon footprint of people that work in companies with regards to their it because now they've only got one laptop rather than a work laptop, a home laptop. I know not everyone's got that, but if that's the example that we're talking about. So going going back to your point, do we think we're on a pathway where everything converges? 100% we are. And I think most companies understand that, which is why you see lots of technologies around, you know, will that Chromebook work with, um, you know, like um, 5G, that type of thing. We're all going in that direction. And that will really help as we move along with Justin, we've heard a lot about um, the, the, the transparency of data, but actually measurement is really key, isn't it? And, and how do companies and organisations measure their data and then be able to report on it? Yeah, it's, it's really important. Uh, I spent most of my PhD working out how to actually report on what is the carbon footprint of IT because it isn't something that was simple when I started. Um, I have actually produced an application and framework that does this. It's actually called the PX3 application and framework, hence the name of the company. And what we do is we look at uh, all of the emissions from scope two energy consumption, the emissions from scope three, which will be your um, embodied carbon of you know buying uh, devices and having them manufactured. Etc. We also look at, um, this is another little nuance, we measure uh, data center electricity consumption, but also when you go to cloud data centers, and, and this is an accounting thing, uh, that's called scope three services because it's a cloud, so we measure that too. Right. Uh, we, also, we also measure things like um, end of life services to happen, but also we measure computing to access IT, you know, what is the basically work what are the workforce doing are they working from home how many days they're working from home what are their modes of transport because again we talked about remote working being enabled by um, IT so we measure all of those things with that tool it is a world unique tool so yes absolutely you'd need to come to a, a px3 to be able to do that and we look at measurement from that side of it when we quantify it using um, what we call the triple bottom line. So there's the planet piece which says to you, this is exactly what your GHG emissions are for your IT estate in scope two and scope three. Um, and we do that in both uh, basically GHG emissions, kilograms, etc. But we give you analogies as well. You know, that's equivalent to X amount of car miles being driven or you need this amount of trees to sequester the pollution. So that's the planet side of things. We do that in actual and potential. So, you know, what does it look like today? What could it be if you mm -hmm. did it properly? The other side of it is we give the, the um, profit side of things, which is, you know, what's that costing you currently? Um, you know, that'll be electricity, etc. And what could it cost you if you did it uh, more sustainably? So there's that side of it causing the self-funding motion. So that gives you a measurement of that. The other thing is there's a people thing in there. Um, I created this thing called the Eve Ratio. Uh, it, it's complex in the background, but it's quite simple. When you look at, so I mentioned it in one of the previous um, episodes, when you look at companies, there's levels of responsibility for sustainable IT. So, you know, the board will be involved because they need to report the emissions and so on. But when you get down to the employees, it's really more or less down to personal interest. Do they actually want to be involved in this type of thing? So the EVE um, ratio creates what is effectively a per capita emissions value for every single person that you employ within your organization. So if you can imagine, it gives you a factor of one to 
whatever, and, and then the number after it is the impact of each IT user. And what that does is that gives you an opportunity to say to everybody in the company, you could get involved in this, you could reduce our Eve ratio and be a part of this whole mission that we're on, gives HR the opportunity to say to people when they join the company, actually we're an ethical and sustainable company. You know, when you choose your devices to work with us, you can choose an existing device, so we're not creating new emissions, or when you go and buy a device, you can actually go and get the one with the lowest carbon footprint. So that's kind of that awareness and involvement. So that's the whole measurement suite around that. We also um, have what I mentioned earlier, the maintaining application. So there's the selecting the right equipment application, which is the dynamic carbon footprint. But also we have a monitoring, monitoring mobile tool, which tells you how you're doing with regards to your goals and your successes. So you can check in on yourself and say, actually, it's progressing. We're going in the right direction. Do we need to do something else? So yes, measurement is key to it. And I mentioned earlier, it's kind of the tip of the wedge to get involved and break the barrier of thinking, I can't measure this. So we offer a free tool online, which is an EUC, end user computing uh, carbon footprint calculation tool, which basically tells you um, it, on average, what is your impact? You just put some data in there around how many units you have, how many years you keep these things, and it gives you the GHG emissions impact. The reason for doing that is lots of companies would like to know that, they can't do that. I don't want them to cause them to have to come to PX3 and go through the whole consulting approach. If they just want to understand what it is immediately, that's free of charge and online. Perfect. Justin, thank you very much indeed. We'll be coming uh, into episode four shortly. And in episode uh, four, we're going to talk more about that measurement and the PX3 tool and what it does and how it can help uh, organisations. So, Justin, thank you for your time. It's been really enlightening. And uh, I'll speak to you next time. Pleasure. Thank you.